Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. Hey everyone, Aaron Noonan here. Welcome again to another episode of Repco Supercars Weekly. It's our look at the world of the Repco Supercars Championship. And of course, at the moment, well, there's not too many supercars. In fact, there's none going around and around racetracks at the moment. COVID has certainly changed lots of plans for lots of people in Australia. Uh, To those in lockdown, we are thinking of you. Let's talk about some motor racing to push on with things. So there's a bit of news around the place to cover off. There's been some issues in the last week or two about the date for the Repco Bathurst 1000. Those have been sorted out now, and November 4 to 7 remains the date for the great race at Mount Panorama. Of course, prior to there, uh, Winton at the beginning of October and Phillip Island late in October are on the uh, schedule for the Repco Supercars Championship. Fingers crossed that we can find our way through these lockdowns and the COVID scenarios going on in Victoria, New South Wales, what's been happening in Queensland as well and get ourselves back to the racetrack soon. A bit of news that popped up on socials in the last 24 hours. James Courtney, the Boost Mobile Tickford Mustang driver, he's revealed that he's actually been racing with multiple brakes in his shoulder. It wasn't from racing, wasn't from uh, a crash or an incident or anything like that. It was from his 11-year-old son, Cadell. got tackled by him in June uh, while springing the sidelines in a father-son football match and ended up with uh, multiple brakes in his shoulder. So... Bit of fun there for JC. He's probably a good time to uh, have a quiet period to get that to rest up and recover before he gets back into the car for the resumption of play in the Repco Supercars Championship. Now, of course, James is a long-time Gold Coast resident since he uh, became a full-time supercars driver, and a new Gold Coast resident is Nick Perkat from Brad Jones Racing. This morning, I caught up with him on the phone to talk about his new digs, about Gen 3, Paddle Shifts 2021, and much, much more. Well, he has escaped Melbourne lockdown. He's in the sun. He's walking Nelson. Nick Perkett joins us on Repco Supercars Weekly. Greetings to you, my friend. Uh, how's the weather in Queensland just quietly? You have made a very good call to move north. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a pretty... It's something I've threatened for a lot of years, but actually doing was um, obviously a different story. But, yeah, when um, I guess, you know, during last year, I spent a lot of time up here. Um in the peak of the season and stuff like that. And then, yeah, um, it was just kind of became an easy decision earlier this year. And I look around and we found a place up here. So the you know, three of us um, are now up in sunny Gold Coast, which is lovely, but I'm um, still waiting for our stuff to come up from Melbourne. So we're just, you know, still living out of the same suitcase that we took to Townsville. So it's, um, <laughs> just waiting for that stuff to rock up. Now, Nick, who are the three for those who don't know? You said three, but who are the three? Ah, yeah, so you got obviously Nelson's up here. And Bailey is up here um, with me, so it's nice. I managed to drag her out of the cold of Melbourne, um, away from the family. But, uh, yeah, so this is, you know, it's home for a little bit now um, until, I guess, the world maybe becomes slightly more normal. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait and see on, on how that all unfolds. Um, we're in a bit of a pause, obviously, in the championship at the moment. You're eighth in the point score in the current break. Uh, a podium in Darwin's probably the, the obvious highlight, but what's your overall take on the, the season for Car 8 from 2021 so far? Yeah, it's been, it's been good and bad. I think we've 
we've not been consistent enough and we've missed a lot of points from, you know, a few, you know, bits and pieces with engines and power steering and, you know, I got caught up in a bit of biff um, at Tassie. So, you know, there's been things that we, you know, would have been nice to tidy up, but yeah, to be still eight in the points is, is really good. And, um, yeah, I think everyone in car eight's working really well and, um, you know, we're all just wanting to keep going and get some momentum because it's actually really difficult to stop, start and, and pick up where you left off because, you know, even, you know, when you're developing a setup, you know, you change your driving style, you know, a little bit here and there and you're kind of evolving that driving style. Then when you get back in, it feels like you go back to square one because you get back to kind of, I guess, your more natural style. So, um, yeah, it makes it hard as a driver to keep developing a setup and, and moving with it, but also obviously makes it really hard on the team to develop any parts because it's just, um, yeah, such a long gap between between events. What is this style shift? What's the What have you changed this year to prompt this requirement to have to kind of refocus the way you the way you're driving it? Um, obviously, you know, we always looking at ways to go faster, and um, you know, we did a lot of myself and I did a lot of work studying the way I guess the Penske car achieved its speed and the way Scotty drove it. So, um, you know, I'd say traditionally the BJR cars are a very flowy car, so a lot of mid mid uh, mid corner speed. Um, maybe not the best traction on exit. So now you know we're trying to change that. So you know we might break a bit later now and have less mid speed, but quite a lot better um, rear grip on the exit of the corner. So, you know, for me, you know, it goes from not being the last of the late breakers and, and flowing really good speed across the apex to now having to really break the car late and hard and use the brakes over to turn the car, which is a little bit different to the way, um, I guess, the BJR car has traditionally been for the last four or five years. We talked a bit before about how the season started slowly. Bathurst in February was a, a bit of a disaster and it took a while to get the thing cranking along at BJR. Why did the season start so slowly? Was it a was it a leftover from last year being away from home so much and the, the obvious stresses and strains of last year's championship? Was it a bit of bad luck? Was it some finger trouble? Why why the slow start? Because traditionally uh, that doesn't really happen at BJR to, to have a sluggish start like that. Yeah, um, <laughs> we've had some shocking luck at round one the last couple of years <laughs> being in Adelaide with my new car with the, you know, the cross member had an issue and I think the power steering rack fell out of it on the warm-up lap so um, you know this year you know, we arrived at Bathurst um, I guess you know we are probably actually just on the back foot when we arrived there because we didn't actually really do the Bathurst 1000 last year or the year before that with our, our power steering issues so you know I felt like we were just lap, lap speed wasn't the issue it was more the race pace um, because you know, even for me personally, I haven't actually done a proper stint up there for a while because, you know, we've had the bus wheel on it a few times with myself and Tom Randall and, and even the year before with Blanchard, we were struggling with some um, bits and pieces with the power steering. So, you know, I think that's why we probably started to back there because we, we just got into the race and we're like, hold on a second, you know, the, the car actually doesn't have the tyre life or or this or that. So I think, yeah, that was a little bit of Bathurst. And I think we also had a bit of a, an engine issue which is um puts us on the back foot too so yeah i think as a team you know we kept regrouping and bouncing back from these these things and um and you know just the developing the chassis and stuff and the and all the parts i guess you know you go somewhere like tasmania and you got no room to be 0.1 off the pace and you know, that's just what happened in, in quality trim and, and the race trim was fine and then you know, from then on we've kind of 
got our mojo back and had good results at Talamend, Darwin and, and Townsville. Yeah, the numbers have definitely trended up. I mean, you look at the results, first part of the year, uh, 18th, 10th, 7th, 6th, 9th. So the, the, the numbers were going up. Then Tassie, as you mentioned, 24, 11, 10. Then since then, it's been 5, 17, 6, 3, 9, 6, 4. And then dropping away a little bit uh, in the last ones in Townsville, 20, 13, 15 and 10. But definitely been able to uh, to dig your way out of that that slow start. Hey, um, about six weeks ago, Nick, it was announced that you've signed up to stay uh, at Brad Jones Racing, multi-year contract. Uh, I love how teams are announcing multi-year contracts and never saying how many actual years they're for. Your team's got that disease as well. Uh, I guess there was really no other place for you to go. You're very happy at BJR. BJR's very happy with you. I could see you being there till you finish up full-time. Is that the way you're sort of framing things, unless something radical changes in the years to come? Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, with this sport, you never know what's, what's around the corner. So, yeah, um, in you know, option A of the current world we're in, I guess that would be the, the current game plan. But, yeah, obviously, who knows? With Gen 3 coming on and different potentially different owners of the sport and there's so much that goes on in the background which I'm a bit more you know savvy to these days I'm getting a bit older now noon so um, try and <laughs> read the on. play a bit steady on bit different so um yeah um obviously it's great to to have that stuff kind of um out there but you know there's still you know from both ends as you know, myself or Brad if we, you're you know we've always said if it's not working it's um We'll look at other things, but at the moment, yep, we're just trucking on doing our thing, so we'll see. Makes sense to me, makes sense to me. Uh, you mentioned Gen 3. You've been vehemently opposed to the concept of paddle shift uh, for, for the gearboxes of the, the new cars and the gear shifting. Why are you so against it? What's the big thing that grates your gears about this whole concept of having flippers on the, the back of the steering wheel? Um, yeah, it's, it's the, I guess the actual paddle shift itself isn't the issue, it's the the things that come along with it, you know, a paddle shift being auto blip um, is a big one. Um, so, you know, from then on, you don't need to worry about knowing how to heel toe, uh, match engine, uh, revs to the ground speed, um, and all that kind of. Yeah, that's the that's the detail that makes Jamie Winkup better than the bloke sitting in twentieth on the grid. You know, he in the way we break these cars is such a big part of um, achieving the lifetime. So, yeah, it'd just be disappointing to see, you know, a massive element of the heel-toe, using the clutch on the down changes, <laughs> you know, operating all three pedals at once, um, that going. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's not the fact that there's a, a paddle shift. Um, it's the fact that we're losing in a, uh, a bit of an art. And, you know, it's, I would say that's what separates, um, you know, the champions from the good guys. Like, I think everyone on the grid exceptional driver but I think there's you know people like Jamie SCG um, you know Scotty now like you know they had something else and you know I think that's you know where you see it the, the ability to be able to, to do all those things in under brakes and, and get the car to where they need it and, and come off the corner well You're in a u- unique position Nick too in that your team boss Brad Jones he's a a former driver, he pays the bills obviously at a race team and he's got an involvement um, in a uh, commission-type role with, with supercars. Can you see all the sides of the whole scenario, why other people are saying that it needs to come into play or do you think that that's not a big enough reason for this to happen? Um, yeah, look, I can see where people think, um, you know, some team owners might think it's good to 
take away the risk of you know, over-revving engines and, and stuff like that. I like, 100% understand that, but I also look on the flip side of this day and age and the pandemic and, and you know, teams trying to find sponsorship dollars and all that that goes into it. I'm not sure why you would honestly change what we current have, currently have because it's, it's not going to cost us anything to put it into the new car, into Gen 3. You know, it doesn't cost us a cent. We already, all the teams already own all the equipment. Um, so to go and lay out, you know, four-car team, <laughs> I'm guessing, but it's well over $100,000 to upgrade these gearboxes. How many races do you have to do or how many over-revs do you have to do to actually make that difference back, you know? So for me, I don't think it's a great business model to be you know, outlaying massive lumps of cash when we're just trying to survive um, as a sport and, you know, team bosses and everything. So I think that's where I kind of sit on this. I don't agree with it from that side either. So, But I understand where people would say, like, Roland are coming from, but I get their KRE engine reports. His blokes don't over engines, so it's nothing to do with his bills. Um, they get in trouble if they go over a certain number, and, and so do we. So it's, you know, we're already disciplined in a way that you're not allowed to rev the thing to 9,000 on a down change. You know, it's already doing things as drivers, which, again, adds to the skill of it. But you know you can't over it because it costs money. And, you know, for me, Brad comes to me and goes, oh, you can't be doing We can't be revving engines that hard. Obviously, um, Kenny and KRE don't want us doing it because it affects the lighting of the engine. So, you know, turns which way you want to look at it. But I think, you know, there's so much more skill factor in what we do at the moment. And, and just putting all that into the next car costs us no money, which I think would be smart. But I am just... One of the, the spaces driving one of the cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're allowed to have an opinion. I think that's one of the things that we forget as an industry sometimes, that uh, multiple opinions, varied opinions, good, bad, or indifferent are good because uh, yeah. we, we ask drivers constantly to have opinions, to, um, to to put a bit of spice out there, and when they do, they tend to get harked and, uh, and shouted down, which I think is... No good. It, it, it's a it's a problem we've got with with motorsport in this country. It seems to work okay in other sports where they feed off the opinions, they feed off the viewpoints, uh, and any time we start to get a bit of momentum going in that area, uh, it draws up uh, and comes to a halt pretty quickly. So, uh, exactly. appre- appreciate the thoughts on on all things flippers. Do you feel like you will be driving a Camaro at some point next year in a race, or do you reckon you're a Commodore man for the rest of next year? Yeah, that's also really hard. I thought, you know, it's not a stab at supercars or anyone that's working on Gen 3. It's a huge project, but I just feel like if we were a little bit further down the road with with anything in Gen 3, in this big break, it would have been a very good time for the teams to start building chassis and, and getting ready to go. But the fact is we don't have anything to be able to build. There's no confer- confirmation of... As far as I know, even the chassis being where they want it. So, you know, I can't, I would say it'd be difficult to, to roll a new car out mid-season. Um, just the workload and, you know, it's hard to commit to that. How do you not know we're going to get to Darwin next year and bloody Melbourne or Queensland goes into a lockdown and we end up doing multiple races up there and next thing you know, there's another month gone and, and stuff like that. So I think I'd say it's optimistic. If it happens, it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, to change cars mid-year is pretty wild, but um, yeah, I'd say it's a little bit optimistic with where everything's at. But to be honest, I haven't, I haven't uh, really delved into where Gen Three is at at the at the current 
you know, states what are we in August this year? I don't really know where they're at with everything at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think it'd be a little bit optimistic, but if it happens, um, pretty cool spectacle. We shall wait and see, Nick Perkat. Uh, we will let you continue uh, your walk with Nelson in the yeah. sun. Thanks for joining us today on Revco Supercars Weekly. Chat to you soon. No worries. Thanks, mate. Great to catch up there with Nick Perkett, of course, the driver of the number eight R&J Batteries Commodore for Brad Jones Racing, the 2011 Bathurst 1000 winner. Can you believe 10 years since Perkett won the great race as a rookie alongside Garth Tander? Uh, head to our website, bookshop.vhsleuth.com.au. Browse our book range. Click on a cover. You'll see a bundle deal on the item page. Take advantage of saving some bucks now in the lead-up to Father's Day. Get in early for Christmas. Lots of great motorsport books to keep you entertained for hours. So if you're in lockdown, books and DVDs from our online store will help get you by. Don't forget to visit The Garage. It's your online digital destination for all things automotive and motorsport from Repco, exclusive content, competitions, and much, much more. Head to repco.com.au forward slash The Garage or .co.nz for our Kiwi friends. Now, on this day, August the 17th, 2003, Oran Park hosted a round of the V8 Supercar Championship Series, as it was known then, a 300-kilometre single race affair. Marcus Ambrose, the winner in the Pertec Ford, leading home Craig Lowndes and Mark Scaife. Of course, Marcus went on to win the championship that year. It was a 111-lap race. There are only five cars on the lead lap at the end. If you're wondering who the others were, Garth Tander finished fourth. And the late, great Jason Richards for Team Dynamic had a great run that weekend and finished P5. Now, next episode, got to tell you about this for the V8 Sleuth. A podcast powered by Repco. We drop another pod tomorrow. It's another of our From the Archives episodes. It's part two of a chat with Harry Firth, the audio courtesy of the National Library of Australia. Don't forget to, the Repco Supercars Weekly Podcast returns every Tuesday. Review our pod wherever you listen to your pods. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll chat to you soon. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.